1: Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. As always, I thank you for listening, downloading and commenting about these episodes. I really appreciate it. In today's episode, we are sponsored by Freshbooks. They are offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com/hws and enter healthy, wealthy and smart in the how did you hear about us section. So today's episode, it's not about health and wellness. It's not about physical therapy because as you know, I like to have episodes that will help everyone, that will help the entrepreneur, that will help the student, that will help the working therapist or healthcare worker or practitioner, and that will help the everyday entrepreneur. And in this episode, I am thrilled to have with me Scott Ford. He is the founder and CEO of Cornerstone Wealth Management Group, an independent registered investment advisory firm serving entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and their families. The firm specializes in comprehensive wealth management, business liquidity strategies, and SBA financing. It is Scott's mission to help his clients pursue financial freedom and live a balanced and fulfilled life. He is the author of three books, Financial Jiu-Jitsu, A Fighter's Guide to Conquering Your Finances. The Widow's Wealth Map, Six Steps to Beginning Again, and the New York Times bestseller, The Sustainable Edge, 15 Minutes a Week to a Richer Entrepreneurial Life. He, his wife, and two children reside in Hedgefield, West Virginia. So what did Scott and I talk about today? Well, we actually talked about a lot of your questions I put out onto social media. Hey, what do you guys want to know about wealth management and about financial planning? And you came back with some really great questions. So in this episode, we discuss how to shift to long-term mindset with the lifetime extender exercise. And we actually go through this full exercise in the episode, the sustainable edge, balancing personal life to achieve professional growth, Scott's top habit changes to increase productivity, And of course, retirement, investment, and saving strategies to make your money last a lifetime. So we took a lot of your questions, talked a lot about money management, Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, investment strategies. So I really hope that regardless of what uh, aspect of life you are at, whether you are a student, working right out of school or been working for 20 or 30 years. I really hope that this episode gives you some good insight in how to plan for your future and how to make your money last. So I really want to thank Scott for coming on this episode. I know I learned a lot and it's kind of making me rethink some of my investment strategies as well. So a huge thanks to Scott and of course a huge thanks to FreshBooks and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hey, Scott, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on.
0: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Sure. And I think this is like the first time I've had someone from wealth management world on the podcast. So I'm really excited to learn a lot from you. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, Now, we have some questions from listeners. Uh, We're going to get to those uh, a little bit later. But what I want to get to first is what is called the Lifetime Extender, which is from Dan Sullivan. So can you talk a little bit more about what it is and how you incorporate it with yourself and clients?
0: Sure. So this is actually timely in that I work with 12 other wealth management firms throughout the country. And so we do monthly calls, had our monthly call today, and I brought this up. And in in talking about it, I first learned about this in 1999. I was in strategic coach, Dan Sullivan's coaching program for business owners and entrepreneurs in Toronto. And the very first session, he brings up this lifetime extender. And the way it works is you pick an age and he's got a graphic that you work through. And if you don't mind, I'll work it through with you, Karen. We can kind of go through the exercise. I think that might be the most useful.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: So let's give it a whirl. I'll do the same thing he did with me. So the idea here is to pick an age. This is not something that you think about very much, but pick an age that you think you may die at and write it down or keep it in your mind or, you know, type it up and just think about that. Okay. When you're ready, you don't have to give it to me yet, but just let me know. Say, yeah, I got the age.
1: Okay. I think I got the age.
0: All right. I So I did the same thing. And what I had written down was 85 and this again is we're going back in time quite a ways a little over 15 years and so I'd written down 85 for whatever reason so whatever age you put think of that age and then think of the year before that so in my case it's 84 okay and the question that was posed to me and I'll pose it to you how do you think you're going to be mentally physically Financially, what kind of relationships are you going to have at eighty? In my case, eighty-four, and in your case, the year before the date you pick. And in thinking of that, how do you then feel also about the life that you lived up to that date so far? So I know how I answered, but how would you answer that? And if if you if you're comfortable sharing the age, feel free.
1: Sure. So I put the age of ninety, and so I guess we're talking eighty-nine, right?
0: Yeah, you got it.
1: I am hoping to be mentally with it and physically being able to do things that I love to do. Maybe not at the capacity I am doing them now at my current age, but I still want. I still feel like I am going to be active and I am going to be vibrant and um, and still be active within my community as well.
0: Yeah. So not unlike my answer back in 99, very similar. In fact, I had the same thought, made the same notes to myself. So the question becomes, posed to me, I'll pose it to you. If you were all those things, would you die the following year?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, geez, it doesn't sound like I would, does it? I mean, maybe exactly. if there was some sort of freak accident.
0: Yeah, but probably not, right? So it's a bit of a paradigm shift. And this is a different exercise I know, but it's helped me to this day. And I just shared it with some other firms and thought it would be neat to share with you and your audience. So so thinking of that, if that's how you are, then the question's gonna be, you you likely wouldn't die that the following year. So that said, when would you die? Right? It gives you the opportunity to think of a different age. Mm-hmm. So for me when I did that I landed on 128. What? Yeah, exactly. This is what my wife says the same thing. So the reason I landed on 128, though, from 85 was a couple of things. One, technology, right? In the, the day and age we live in, there's lots of technology on its way that could help extend that. And two, and this is random, but it's the thought exercise I had and I actually got it from Dan Sullivan. That allows me to live the whole way through the 21st century from year one the whole way through this century, I would have lived through if I made it to 128, right?
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: sounds random, but the point being, you pick an age now, if you're still healthy at 89, what would that age be?
1: Um, I was going to say like 97. Okay,
0: fair enough. So we just gained seven seven years. That's pretty powerful. I I really went out there, but that's cool, right? Mm -hmm. So as I said, with the 128, my wife thinks uh, I'm crazy, but here's the thing. So number one, this is probably the first time, well, maybe the first time in your life that you actually have a number that we're looking at as far as uh, checking out a here number. At least it was for me and it may be for you. And it, it gives our brain to the ability to believe this and be thinking about it. So if I now have thoughts about you know, something happening at 70 or 75, I've locked in this 128 number and my brain's thinking, no, 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 we, we have 128 is what we're pushing towards. And here's the funny thing. And this is what I share with my wife. So what happens if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I don't really lose that game, right? If I don't make it to 128, who loses that game? Not really me. But the cool thing is it changes my thinking about my health right? So when I'm locking in at 128, my halfway point 64. So the other thing that it's really neat for are business owners and entrepreneurs, which is what I am, that the biggest impact is if, and let's take you, if you're living to 97 now, mm-hmm. you're not likely going to quit at 65, right? You're likely going to have a lot more c- contribution and things you're thinking about. Sure. And so, on a, so on a personal level, Here's what's happened to me. It's done a couple of things. One at 64, I'm only halfway there. So this really helps me in the long game and long-term thinking. So as I'm building long-term plans, let's say 25, so I'm 45 now, my current 25-year plan, I land at 70. Well, I'm just over my halfway point. So that's the way I'm thinking about this. So my best years still could be ahead of me. Why that's important, I'll give you an example. So we just did our executive physicals and we just did them at the beginning of this quarter. Every quarter I have a priority matrix. I go off of six priorities. So for me, it's spiritual family, health, career, philanthropy, and finances. And anyway, that's how cornerstone gets its name is the financial pillar of finances. But for me, each quarter I say, which one of those areas do I need to focus on And this quarter? It was health. So I went, had a full executive physical. I tell my heart rate variability, Everything, blood work, cholesterol, you name it. And so I'm doing that because I'm shooting to this 128 metrics, right? And I'm talking to my doctor about it proactively. Listen, I'm shooting to this number. So it changes your thinking, right? And so this is something that I did back in 99 and still to this day. It's been useful for me in all aspects of life, clearly health, but even in business. It changes the way I think about what I'm doing today and it's a much longer game, which I think is very helpful and healthy.
1: It kind of changes your thinking and allows you to go even more long-term than maybe you would have thought before. And that goes, like you said, everything from health to financial planning to your to your business planning.
0: Absolutely. And that's exactly right. I think it's very helpful and healthy to think longer term. And that's exactly what this exercise has freed me up to do and freed others up to do is even thinking of growing your business. If you're thinking about goals and objectives as consultants, trainers or business owners, what is that? Well, it's helpful if you stretch out the time horizon, because if you're wanting to double and you're saying I'm going to double in a year. But that actually could create stress, right? Because you're like, oh, man, how am I going to do that? But if you stretch that to 10 or 20 years, or 30 years, well of course I can double. Well now it just, it it's helpful to have that context, and this exercise is just one way that I've anchored that to just play the long game, which has been very useful for me.
1: And so how do you then take this exercise and put it into practical terms?
0: So for me, it's just something I carry with me, but I'll give you an example. So so my partner and I back in January 2016 wrote a book called The Sustainable Edge, and this ties to it. So The Sustainable Edge is written for business owners, entrepreneurs, and the, the messaging that we wanted to bring was how balance leads to growth and growth leads to balance. So for me... You know, I had mentioned my six pillars and the, the six areas that are of importance to me. And One of the takeaways from that book was what we call the IQ grower process, which, by the way, you can you and your listeners can download. It's a PDF document, and you would go to the thesustainableedge.com, and you could download that PDF document. I use this every week and actually daily, and quarterly is where I look at my priorities and try to figure out what do I need to focus on. Right, so is it health? Is it spiritual? Is it my family? Is it my career? And focus in on that, and how that ties into to using this lifetime extender is just again. So if it's health, clearly that's a tie-in. But then just all over, you know. So if I have lifetime goals, which this form does. So in my six areas, I have lifetime goals in each one of those six areas, and as I stretch my thinking to live to one twenty-eight, it just gives me the opportunity and space to think about how I can accomplish that because it's a long game.
1: Obviously 128 is a very long game. So (laughs) now if you were to use sort of use these tools, the the sustainable edge tool, is this something that you can also use? So let's say just strictly for your business. So I'm a small business owner and an entrepreneur. Is this something that I can take and kind of help me to organize my thoughts for my business?
0: Yes, 100%. And here's how, here's one way how, and one of the challenges I had, so I founded Cornerstone in 1996 and early on, I still had those six areas. I have been clear on those six areas at a very young age in my life that they were value systems for me and priorities, but candidly, I didn't always live them because what is on your calendar is what your priorities are, regardless of what you tell yourself, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And if you looked at my calendar back then, look, I'm just trying to keep afloat and keep cornerstone in business and, and get this thing off the ground. And so it was just all work on my calendar. I flipped that a little bit, flipped the script, as you could say, maybe mid early 2000s, young kids. I was always there and I don't regret any of this, by the way, but finally figured out in about 2008, 2009, perfect timing for the financial world, but
1: yeah, right.
0: how that you can really have balance and growth. And that's why we developed the IQ is to try to share what was working for us. And so here's how. So when you look at this quarterly on priorities, you get clear on lifetime goals there. And then we look at daily what are the six most important. So what I do is I use a, a planner called the planner pad and I write up top in my case, spiritual, family, health, career, philanthropy and finances. And I list areas that I want to make improvements or think about or read or do that week in that area. And then from there, I pull down what I call the six most important and vital ones. So the six most important things I want to accomplish the next day. And I do it the night before. So my subconscious can go to work on that. And then from those six most important, and by the way, it can be two, it can be three most. The point is it's in priority. And so I'm working on the highest, my highest and best use. Then that falls onto my calendar. So number one, that keeps me balanced. But number two, you get hopefully you can see where this can work in business, because when then when you're working, you know, you're working on the highest and most important task. And that's effective. That's that's very, very effective.
1: And do you ever get lazy? Cause I feel like, is there a time where like, God, you're like, man, I need a break or I don't feel like doing these six, two, one, three important things. So how do you keep yourself motivated to do that?
0: Yeah, it, 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 both, right? When, when I say both, you, it, it's easy to get lazy, not to do the six most or three most the night before, but it just has clicked for me, especially since about 2008, 2009 of doing it because that little pain of discipline has just paid had so much dividends that it's paid me that it's so worth it, Mm -hmm. right? And so I just have gotten into the habit and so it's so easy for me to do. And then once it's on my sheet, it hasn't been too hard for me to follow through. Now that said, certainly there's plenty of times I may not get through number one, right? And I got six things or I have three things on my sheet But at least I go to bed knowing I was working on the most important tasks for that day.
1: And because I feel like sometimes if I do that and I don't get to everything, then I feel like like my day was a waste. So what's your advice to kind of flip the script on that? So you're not beating yourself up for not doing the most important things that day.
0: Yep. Uh, two things and this is where this lifetime extender ties back in so let me start there if you break this thing down and I'm living to 128 I'm thinking about the long game again. if I just accomplished you know one thing per day right or, a, or one every other day, but I'm doing that over a span of 30 years and that one thing I know is the most important task. What impact is that going to have on me and other people's lives over a 30 year span? It's huge. Right. But it's back to that long term thinking. The other thing I would say is because of that, it's really important to make sure you're listing in priority. What is the most important thing? And usually not always, but sometimes the most important thing can be what's what you're putting off or what you feel like could be painful, right? Whether it's a conversation, whether it's some task that you're just kind of sweeping under the rug, that's probably the biggest impact you could have the next day.
1: And is there, do you have any advice on how to pinpoint or how to narrow down what is your most important thing?
0: Yeah, that's one of them. What are you kicking the can down the road on as an example, at times, that can become your most important thing, right? It's You're putting it off, yet it's going to have the biggest impact. I'll give you an example, and that is work-related, and that's people issues, right? So people issues are almost always the most difficult issues, but almost always have the biggest impact. So let's take a team member that's not a cultural fit if you have a team. It's really easy to put off dealing with that. Right. Because it's just painful. Right. You know, you you care about them as a person. You don't want to let them go. Yet if you force yourself to have that conversation and if you've given them opportunities to grow into the role or given them other opportunities to take on and they haven't, they're just not a cultural fit. You got to let them go. You got to move them on. Well, that's painful. But it is by far going to have the biggest impact probably than anything else in your company.
1: I've never had that problem yet, Um, but I would imagine that, yes, dealing with people and being able to to make those kind of decisions is really difficult, and I know I would certainly be the person that would kick the can down the road for like a long time.
0: And I've been quite guilty of that many times in my career. So yeah, I completely understand.
1: I just want to get back to the the kind of prioritizing things daily, quarterly, yearly. How do you keep it all organized? Is there? Do you have a system that you use to keep it organized?
0: Yeah, there is. And it's nothing too fancy. And so two things. One, we as a group, as a firm, we use Google Docs. So it's, you know, right, log into Google Docs and we have on Google Docs we have a Monday morning meeting that everyone goes to so this is company wide and we set up uh, three things priority metrics and meeting rhythm so on Google Docs we put what are the what's the one to three things we want to accomplish as a company this year what's the one to three things we want to co- accomplish this quarter so they're the priorities then we all set KPIs key performance indicators up for everyone in the company of what they can do to move the needle towards that priority for that quarter So we report on that, red, green, or yellow. How are we doing on our priority? And then uh, we have a cadence of accountability on the meeting rhythms, right? So we have uh, weekly meetings every Monday morning at 830, and then daily stand-up huddles for five minutes to report on our numbers. So that's how professionally we keep nothing fancy, but Google Docs works really well for us. Then personally, I use a planner called a planner pad. I mentioned this a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier it's not perfect. So because of that, I'm actually building something that is going to tie to the book, which is a planner that will work for me. So if no one else in the world uses it, I won't care so much because it's going to be exactly what I want. But to me, it gives me the opportunity to do a couple things. Number one, get really clear on the life I want to live and what, you know, what's most important to me. So it's a blueprinting exercise is what we call it. And then from there, put it in my weekly planner, right? So it's my six six things up top, follow, falling down to my six most or funneling down to my six most or three most important tasks to follow the next day, following on to a calendar in my schedule. So that is actually, again, not too tech savvy. This is a paper document I'm referring to. But I think that's important to have both use technology and digital like Google Docs. Again, it's not fancy. And then a paper document Tracking goals and writing things out—I think that's how that's meaningful to do when you're doing that kind of planning.
1: Yeah, and I agree. And thank you for sharing those systems because oftentimes people always say, "Well, I have a system," and then they don't tell you what the system is. Uh, you know, so what good is that? Um, so, thank you so much for sharing those systems. And on that note, we're going to take a quick forty-five second break to hear from our sponsor, FreshBooks. So, everybody, stay tuned. And when we come back, we're going to ask Scott some questions from the listeners. So, stay tuned. A huge thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring today's episode. The all-new FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy accounting software that's completely transformed how freelancers and small business owners deal with their day-to-day work. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. The all-new features include professional-looking invo- invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments, and see when your clients have seen your invoice. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com hws and enter healthy, wealthy, and smart in the how did you hear about us section. And it's ridiculously easy. I have been using it. If I can use it, you can too. And now back to today's episode. Hey, everybody. We are back, and I am here with the CEO and founder of Cornerstone Wealth Management, Scott Ford. So, Scott, we have, like I said, we have questions from some of our listeners, and as we kind of talked before we went on the air, a lot of our listeners are physical therapists, students, medical professionals, fitness professionals, um, so a lot of people who are not in the wealth management arena, so... We've got some questions, and if you're ready, let's get to it.
0: Sure. Let's give it a shot.
1: Okay. One question was from uh, Nicole Ivanovic. I hope I said that correctly. I think I did. And her question is, is there a certain percentage or ratio recommended for savings, investing, and retirement?
0: Yep. And there is a fair amount of information, uh, varying information on this. So... Here's a couple of things that I would say. So I'm not sure if she works for an employer, if she's self-employed, but so let me just take it both ways, right? So if someone's working for an employer, working for someone and they have a 401k and you get a match, this is really straightforward. You got to put up at least to the match because that's a double return on your money, right? That's uh, free money. That's a given. You got to do it. If you're on your own and self-employed, let's call it, or have a business, and so you're trying to put money away, typically what's said is 10 to 20 percent. And again, that's pretty broad. And a couple of things that come to mind. And one is, ah, how can I do that? Well, surprisingly, if you do it and it comes out automatically, it's like, you'll find a way to make it work if that makes sense. Because if, mm-hmm. if not, you don't, and it hits your account, it's funny how it finds a way to go. <laughs> yeah, it,
1: because you always need that extra pair of shoes, right?
0: <laughs> it's a given, absolutely. Amazon makes all things easy. Apple's does not help with that either. So, yes, but if you take it out, you rarely miss it. So I would say 10 to 20%. That's and. Yep, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, and um, I love the fact that you said if you just take it out, So, because there are ways to just take that right out of your account and put it right into retirement throughout the year. That just goes automatically. You can make that set up, right?
0: Uh, that's exactly right. And yeah. that's the way to do it, right? Making all of this automatic so you don't see it and you don't have to think about it. Done.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: You know, And an easy book on this, by the way, is Automatic Millionaire from David Bach. It's an easy read. It may take you an hour. Some really good tips. But why it's called Automatic Millionaire is because all of his recommendations are simple and it's automatic. It's straightforward. Just set it and forget it. So I concur with a lot of that thinking. That said, and though I'm in the – some of this is counterintuitive because though I'm in the space of wealth management and financial planning – And also investing ties into that. One of your best investments, if this person has their own business, is in themselves and in their business. So I'm not going to minimize my statement of 10 to 20 percent because I think you should. I'm also not going to overstate that you overdo that when you should and could be building up cash because in business, cash is king and growth sucks cash. Mm -hmm. And two, some of the best returns you can get on your money is investing in yourself and in your business.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then what about savings? How much should you have socked away in your savings? I mean, I heard enough to get you through six months if you lose your job. I don't know if that's true or not, but...
0: Yeah, you're going to hear, and again, in training financial planning, you're going to hear three to six months, and you're going to hear up to 24 months. And I got to tell you, part of what's going to determine that is, is your sleep factor? So some people it's going to be three to six months, and others it's going to be two years before they're comfortable, right? Just because of comfort, and I call it the sleep factor. What's it going to take for you to be able to sleep well at night? Some people that's three months, some people that's two years.
1: Got it. So that's really up to your personal comfort, then.
0: Absolutely, but I would start. I think a six months is a good starting number. Yeah, I would. I would concur with that.
1: Let's go on then to the next question, which is from Josh Lee. What are the best avenues to invest outside of a company 401 or 403? For young clinicians, so you're just out of school, what can you do if you have a little extra money laying around? Where can you invest?
0: If if he's looking for something not in a retirement, let's say he is for a second looking for a retirement. I'm a fan of Roth IRAs, and I think that makes sense. I believe in you know you hear diversification and investing you all i also think you need to tax diversify and that's what a roth speaks to we may be able to chat a little bit about that in a minute Mm -hmm. if he's not speaking retirement then i would say several options but one being just a low cost index fund okay so whether it's vanguard or whomever but a low cost index fund let's just say the s p 500 and same thing, you can make this automatic, you can put a lump sum in, or he could put 100 bucks or 25 bucks a month that's deducted out of his checking or savings account that's going to be invested in a low-cost ETF index fund. The benefit, no commission, so no one's selling anything, really low cost to own that, it may be 10, 15 basis points, maybe 3 to 5 basis points, so very inexpensive, and you're going to... Okay, What you need to be aware of with this, you're going to get what the market gives, right? Mm -hmm. So term, if you're believing in the US economy and this person's young, probably going to be just great over the next, you know, 10, 20, again, thinking of the long game, you just have to realize we could have another bear market and shouldn't say, could we will, it's just when, and you're just going to have to, if you're going to just be in that S&P, you can't be getting in and out of it. You got to ride those ups and downs. So, but that's what I would say for simplicity, ease and long-term benefit.
1: And what's a basis point?
0: Yep, so cost to own that fund. So with an ETF, so you're, what's happening in with the S&P 500 the example I, I gave, you're owning a piece of all 500 of these stocks mm-hmm. in the S&P 500, right? So to do that, they package these ETFs, exchange traded funds, and there's a cost to package that. And like I mentioned, maybe it's five basis points or 10. So let's take 10 basis points for easy math. That's 10% of 1% is what they're charging you.
1: You're right. You have to just have confidence and just kind of ride it out for the long term. And that's the way I looked at it, too. I'm like, I'm not going to take this money out for like 40 years. So what do you know, Uh, again, going back to that long term outlook. And And
0: I I agree. And I'll just add one thing. And that is, don't be scared of cash either. Right. So he, you know, wanting to invest. I get it. You're wanting to make a return. So, but it's okay to put money in a money market, you know, a savings account, something like that. Granted, you're not making money, but again, if you're thinking of the long game, if you're the one with cash and we get some big correction, whether that's in real estate, commodities or the market, that person with cash has the biggest opportunity, right? So don't yeah. be scared of really oversitting on cash if you're young as well.
1: Okay. And then you mentioned earlier a Roth IRA. So can you talk about the pros and cons of a Roth versus a traditional IRA?
0: Yeah, sure. So I look at it like this. It's like a farmer and would you, if you're a farmer, would you rather pay tax on the seed or would you rather pay tax on the crop? So for me, I'd rather pay tax on the C. Now, that said, I have both. I have a 401k, but also have a Roth 401k because I like having options. I think the person with options wins. So a IRA, when you put money in, let's say you put $2,000 a year into an IRA, you're able to tax deduct that, meaning you don't pay tax on that $2,000, so all $2,000 goes in, right? Mm -hmm. Then it accumulates and grows, ideally, and at retirement- whatever, let's call that 65, whatever age it is for you, then that money is all taxed, including the earnings. A Roth is the exact opposite. You put $2,000 in, well, you're paying tax on that $2,000. But the $2,000 now has already been taxed, and the growth on that $2,000 is tax-free. So that's my analogy of would you rather pay tax on the seed or on the crop, and in this case, the crop being the Roth, all of that growth is tax-free at the other end, giving flexibilities and options. As well as the person who thinks taxes are going up and not down, mm-hmm. that would bode well for a Roth IRA as well.
1: For that, you want to be as diver- just diversify yourself. So it's okay to have both. You don't have to have just a Roth and just a traditional.
0: That's exactly right. And I'm actually a fan of that. It's what I do personally. And and the reason it gives me options, right, depending on where we're at, depending on where I'm at in my life, depending on where we have tax codes. I also have tax diversification, meaning options of what bucket to take the money out of when.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I have both also. Uh, Last question. And this is, let's say you are an entrepreneur and you don't have a 401k and you don't have someone... Contributing, it's you, you own the business, it's just you. Um, can you explain what an SEP is and is that the way to
0: go? yes yeah, so you're re- referring to like a solo type 401k?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so the benefits of this is it, we're a regular 401k for larger companies. You have ERISA and certain guidelines and rules that you have to play and follow. And you have more flexibility with the solo 401k. So just like for you and your spouse or partner, you can be, you can have more flexibility and less restrictions on setting up a solo 401k. So I do think that's a valid option and makes sense uh, for folks in that position to look into. Yeah. That said, and I know I mentioned it before, but It makes sense. You want to save for retirement. Look at these things. Also, don't be scared to be putting away cash and investing in your business, certainly at the same time.
1: Yeah. And and I think the last thing to say is get someone to help you. Get a professional, you know, like someone like you or someone, you know, get a wealth management, get a a financial advisor to help you. Because I I think I'm a huge proponent of that because I didn't know what I was doing at all. So for all of you out there, if you're wondering on what to do with a lot of these retirement uh, options, I think the best thing to do is to contact someone because everybody's situation is different. And, you know, Scott and I are talking now on just sort of big overview, general uh, definitions and advice, right?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I would just add to that when you're looking for some, you can do it yourself if in, in how you judge that. Do you like it? Right. If you love this stuff, do it yourself. That's fine. And you can do your research and have at it. I gave you options of getting low index cost index funds and trying to, you know, contact and do it on your own. Most don't like to do it themselves. Right. It's not something they're passionate about. So find someone that you feel like you can trust. And one thing to look for is, are they a fiduciary? So as a fiduciary, they are required by law to put your interest ahead of theirs. They don't have products to sell, and that's just you know one word of caution. That's what you want to look for, and the reason is if someone's selling something, and we all know this, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Mm-hmm. So, if someone's selling product, guess what? They're going to think your solution needs to be that product, and a fiduciary doesn't have that conflict. So, that would be my advice.
1: Great advice. All right, so I have one last question for you, and it's a question that I ask everyone that comes on the program. Given where you are now in your life and your business, what advice would you give yourself as a new grad?
0: Hmm. I'll say two things to this. And one is because a, a mentor of mine who's now close to 70, a very successful business, and he gives advice to new grads all the time. And it's I thought it was quite unique. And one was uh, go teach. English uh, in China just for the experience. And then I think he said Barton in Australia and backpack Europe. So I just found that interesting. He, He said, I would hire you and pay you just about whatever when you came back. So I, I thought that interesting. If it were me, I would say circling back to how we started the conversation, slow down and enjoy the ride. It's a long life and long game. I, spent a lot of time in a rush and not leaving me very present. And I really put work into that. And that's another reason or another area this lifetime extender has helped. So I would say slow down and enjoy where you're at.
1: Yeah. And I think that's great advice in a world that's moving so quickly. Um, so Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you if they have more questions or they want to get in touch with you?
0: Sure, two places really one would be Cornerstone's website which is cornerstonewealthgroup.com as well and all of social media is, is listed there as well as the sustainableedge.com
1: Awesome. Well, and again, as, as always, everyone, we will have one click, uh, links to everything at the show notes for this show over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So if you're in the commute and you don't have time to write all this down, just head on over to the website and we'll have a one click straight to all of Scott's resources and, and all the stuff that we went over today. So Scott, thank you so much for coming on. This was great. And I'm so happy that you, uh, came on.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the invite. I had a good time. Thanks.
1: You're welcome. And everybody, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. And of course, I want to thank again the sponsor for today's episode, FreshBooks. Like I said in the beginning and in the middle, they are offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash HWS and enter healthy, wealthy, and smart in the how did you hear about us section and start creating your professional invoices, and getting your finances in order.
0: Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and don't
1: forget to follow us on social media.